I thank you for each of I praise your great and mighty and holy name. We'll worship you, O Lord. We'll bless you, O King. We thank you, dear Savior. Everybody said praise the Lord. You have a Bible this morning? Let's turn to the Gospel according to John. John's account of the Gospel. There are four accounts of the one Gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let's take a look at John's account this morning to begin with. John chapter 20, the very, almost the very last chapter. Actually, I do want the last chapter. 21, John 21, very last chapter of John's account. Good to see each and every one of you right here in God's house. Beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. To worship Him in spirit and truth. John chapter 21, and I'll begin reading with verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Everybody said praise the Lord. I'd like to take a little time this morning and work on, Do you love Jesus? You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Deuteronomy Chapter 6, the book of the second law. Moses has led the people out of Egypt, three million strong, and a mixed multitude at that. He's come by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And they've come through the Red Sea and seen the great victory that God had given to them. And then he uh, proceeded on from there to other miracles that the Lord did. And having brought them out, then the Bible teaches that there were those that got it in their heart to turn back. The twelve spies had gone over at Moses' command. They'd come back from Canaan land, which was a shadow and type of the church, preview of it, where everything was going to be provided that you could ever have need of. But it would require effort on your part to, one thing we've said, to get saved. It's another thing to stay saved. And going into Canaan land, in the way and the manner that all shadows and types of the born-again experience, of born-again of water and born-again of the Spirit. And now they're challenged to go into the church and become a real part of what's going on, land that's going to flow with milk and honey, houses you didn't build, so many things that God's going to supply. And uh, But the Scripture teaches, of course, that two of the spies were saying, we can do this. Ten of the spies were saying, it's too big, it's too challenging, and it's too daunting, and they just filled people's hearts with unbelief. They brought a bad report. They were negative in their thinking, filled with unbelief. And the truth of the matter is, it came out that they had already appointed a captain to go back to Egypt, to go back to the garlics, the leeks, the onions, and the melons, to go back to that. And forgetting, of course, the terrible bondage that God had delivered them from. How terrible their life had been. Now, all of a sudden, here's this spirit telling them, the spirit of the enemy, that it's going to be really good. Appoint a leader and head on back and go back to the former lifestyle and the way that you lived before. And, uh, you know, it's all going to be really good. Don't you just miss this, that, and the other. And, of course... That's selective retention. 
only remembering what you want to remember. And uh, the enemy takes advantage of things like that. And so the Bible teaches us that the two, though, and that was Joshua and Caleb, they made it clear that we're well able to go in there and we can conquer the cities and we can have the victory that God promised us. We can possess the possessions that God has made available to us if we'll only go and do it. So Deuteronomy becomes the book of the second law, meaning that Exodus, this is where God gave the Ten Commandments. Moses had come down from the mount and given to them by the finger of God the Ten Commandments. And of course there was more than ten, but the condensation of them, combining them concisely, came down to Ten Commandments. And so now what happened is with these people that would not go into the church would refused and went backwards, would kind of remind you in the New Testament of the 380 that didn't come into the church but went backwards as opposed to the 120 that went to Jerusalem and got this great experience. So it was with those among the 3 million. There were those that turned back the hearts of the people and melted their hearts, discouraged them, and they began to go back. And in so doing, they spent the rest of their days wandering in circles in the wilderness of sin. And so the scripture teaches that uh, now it's time for the next generation. And they've come up and God's going to use them. God's going to bring that next generation. So it became necessary for Moses to bring the second law. The same law, but the second time. And he had to explain to that generation. He had to teach that generation. Which is, of course, a very valuable lesson to all of us. Because as we come up in the Lord, and I was telling uh, a doctor this morning, visiting the hospital early this morning, right after the radio, <clears throat> that um, this individual's been in our church for over 50 years. And, um, and the, the nurse that was there said, wow, she's really a, a good Christian woman. Well, I would like to have maybe tweaked that a little bit and said she's a good Holy Ghost woman. And that becomes a little more accurate about what your Bible teaches. I'd like you to remember that the word Christian came about by an observation of people who saw the church, and they rem- the church reminded them of Jesus the Christ. They had seen him and heard of him in those days of his flesh. And so the people that had been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and became a part of the church, the body of Christ, people who were called out of darkness into marvelous light, people that dropped what they were doing and began to follow him, people that turned their back on their former lifestyle and embraced, even as Simeon embraced that Christ child and held him up and said, now I can depart in peace for mine eyes have seen the the salvation of the Lord. And so even as these people realized that they had seen Jesus the Christ themselves and that they had seen now the church birthed by Jesus and that church going into different cities and different areas and witnessing to people and filling Jerusalem and other areas uh, with this apostle, apostolic doctrine, the, uh, the, that which was given to the apostles by Jesus. The apostles gave it to brand new people and taught them this truth. And the church continues steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They teach one God. The church teaches one God. The church teaches baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. The church that Jesus started teaches the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And everybody said, Amen. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Let's give God a big hand together, shall we? So even even as those individuals that uh, went into the, the, the church, the type of the church, into Canaan land in the Old Testament, they had to... Uh, bring up the next generation to do that. And Moses had to teach them the second time these laws of Almighty God. And in so doing, you and I learn a lesson that when we have our generation below us coming up, we must teach them the word of the Lord. We must teach them the teachings of Jesus Christ. We must not depart from that in any way, shape, or form. We must not back up from that and spend our lives wandering in circles, having a profession but not having a possession. We don't want to just say we're something when we're not. Revelation talked about having a name that you live. That name is Jesus Christ. We've got to live up to that name. That name of Jesus Christ represents a whole lot of truth, for He is the truth. 
And so we've got to uh, be sure that we're bringing the apostles' doctrine. We've got to be sure we're bringing the message. And as we have our children coming up, we want to teach them this truth. We want to train them up in the way that they should go. We've got to train. You can't patty cake around. You can't compromise. You can't back up from this. And the time will come when you may have to stand up very strongly in your child's face and tell them this is right and this is not right. This is the way it's to be done and this is not the way it is to be done. They are going to get to a place of adulthood. They're going to get to a place where you've done your job and what they do with what you've given them becomes their responsibility. And up until that time, and we pretty much consider that to be about 18 years of age, we have a a very strong commandment here uh, and a charge from Almighty God. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 6 now, teaching the second time. He did not deviate from the commandment that was given to them in Exodus by God. He's giving it to them again. And here we are, no change. Deuteronomy 6 and 5, and he said, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. These are things, and he went on, of course, to say that you'll teach these things diligently unto thy children. I want you to get the picture, though, that we're to love God. That we're to have a deep and abiding love. This love is not to uh, fritter away somewhere and to dribble out of our hands. Is it not written that we're to uh, give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard. The Word of God teaches us so that we hear it, I pray. Have a hearing ear as well as a seeing eye. That we will hear what the Word of the Lord is saying to us. That we're to love God. We're to love Him. We're not to forsake Him. We're not to give up on the things of God. We're not to let those things slip away from us. But we're to hold them dearly. We're to exemplify. He was an example to everybody in the days of his flesh. And we are to also in the days of our flesh, our allotted time on earth. We are to be an example. People need to know what's right. How is it written in Ruth uh, about her? That uh, Boaz told her, all the city doth know, all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. What does the city think of you? What does the city think of you? Do they see you faithfully attending service? Do they see you displaying the presence of the Lord and the fruit of the Spirit? Are they observing the things of God that you are a firm believer in the truth that the Bible teaches? Do you truly believe that there's only one God and that He is above all and that He is absolutely, uh, unequivocally, the one true, wise, only, eternal God and that His name above all titles, above all that would be called a name, His name is Jesus Christ. And that neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Do you love the Lord? Do you love His Word? Do you love His Spirit? The Father is certainly seeking for such that would love Him to the point that they would worship Him in spirit and in truth. Do you love Him only when the wind is to your back? Or do you love Him when the wind is in your face? Do you continue to abide in His love? It's not a fly-by-night. It's not just one day or one year or one something. But it's forever. All the days of thy life that you love the Lord. You love Him in spite of your personal feelings. You love Him in spite of the things that you find yourself are going against you and you're battling with. Yet you love the Lord in spite of anything that comes your way. No matter what kind of wind. No matter what kind of controversy. No matter who and how close to you might turn against it. You still continue to love the Lord. No matter what. Amen. Also in Deuteronomy, chapter 10, just a few pages further in Deuteronomy, chapter 10 and verse 12 reads like this, And now, Israel, or church, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him. And to love him. 
and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 11 and 1. Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. These are things that were told to a generation that was coming up that was needed to carry the presence of the Lord into and onward to the next years and and centuries, if you please, even millenniums. Carry this, bring this to everybody. Bring this message. The world needs to know that there's one God. The world needs to know His name. His name is Jesus Christ. The world needs to love Him to the point that they want His name in water baptism. That they want to be washed in His blood, and that the blood is in His name. And that's how you're going to get the remission or the forgiveness of all of your sins. You need to love the Lord to the point that you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He confirms your love, your faith, your belief in Him when He speaks through you in another language as His Spirit gives the utterance. God takes a hand in your life. God confirms something in your life. God shows to all that this is a person who has dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock here. This is a person that is saying, I want all that God is saying. I'm not in this for just a little smidgen. I don't want some little front of a religion. I don't want to be a, a polished sepulcher of some kind full of dead men's bones. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to be a true son and daughter of God. And I'm going to love you when the weather's good or when the weather's bad. When it's all going right or it's all going wrong. When the gates of hell rise up against me, I'm going to stand strong and love the Lord through it all. Through it all. Amen. Amen. Mark, and you watch scriptures that, that come right from the old over to the new. Teachings. Mark uh, 12 and 20 once again reiterates to us that we're to love the Lord our God. We're not supposed to just like Him. You know, it's going to have to be a little bit deeper than that. It's got to be a little bit more, even though it does say in the Bible to acquaint thyself with the Lord. And I am pleased to make your acquaintance. That's all wonderful. But there's got to be where Ezekiel said, you know, that was for the ankle deep. At some point, you've got to wade on into this thing and to where the waters of truth begin to rise in your life, even to the point that you get to where you can't even swim over it. It's, it's just too great and too much. And you begin to realize that the love of God is greater than, than, the, uh, than your mind can really comprehend. But you're doing your best to strive here. You're making an attempt to do your best to strive here uh, and, and grow closer to the Lord and, and learn of Him as Jesus made it clear in His earthly ministry. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn of me, He said. You want to learn the things of God. And you want to learn to love Him. You want that love to be deep in your heart. You don't want it to be something superficial like when the seed just fell on the top of the ground. Something superficial. No, you want this to get down into your heart and into your life. You want a depth here. Uh, beyond gets beyond the surface. It gets beyond the rocks. And it begins to take a tremendous root in your heart that you love God. And everybody said praise the Lord. Well, here we have in Mark 12 and 20 now... Uh, and I want you to, to understand something here and, and make it clear in your, in your heart and in your mind that we are to, to love God, not just in one way, but we're to love Him with all. It's not a partial. It's not a, a little fraction here. Okay? And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. And everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. I love the Lord and I want to I believe God for everything that He has said. I want to love Him Every word, every chapter, every verse, every line. I want to realize that there are things that are going to uh, try to hinder. Uh, everything isn't going to go just the right way for you, or at least to what you feel is the right way. Matthew 6 and 24, and here's what the word of the Lord said. He said, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
Mammon being the false god of greed and pleasures and riches that's contained within this life. You've got to make a choice here. You've got to make a choice and make a stand. And, And no matter what, God declares that it will cost you. And you've got to be willing that you give all. A little woman came and and many people had put in a lot of money into the treasury and Jesus was watching them give. He was watching how they give. You know, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Not somebody that does it grudgingly. Not somebody you've got to twist their arm about it. No, sir. And the Lord was watching people giving out of their abundance. People that when they gave it, there was a whole lot left. But there was a woman that came and she gave what little she had and she gave it all. And she, I'm telling you, Jesus took note of that. He absolutely it got his attention. He watched somebody give even all of their living. Oh, I want you to know you got to love God with all of your heart. You can't hold back. You're not supposed to hold back. This is not supposed to become fallow ground, I'm telling you. you got to dig deep. you got to break it up. you got to break up the clods, the Scripture said. you got to get this thing disc right. you got to set your plow down in there. You've got to tell yourself, I'm going to love God with all of my heart. If He says something and it goes against me, I've got to take that and i got to break it up inside of me and I've got to say, okay, God, not my will, but Thy will. I'm going to yield myself to You and I'm going to love You. All of my heart. All of my heart. I'm going to put all my emotions into it. Sometimes we have been criticized as the church that Jesus started. We have been criticized as being too emotional. Well, love is an emotion. Got news for you. Joy is an emotion. So we're going to leap for joy. And we're going to rejoice. As Paul said, and again I say unto you, rejoice. We're going to get happy. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Yea, happy is the people that's in such a case. What I want to have a case of Holy Ghost love. The whole the Bible said that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. I want His love in me. I want Him putting what's genuine from Him. It's not fake. It's not phony. And it's not human driven. It's not somebody's little human spirit doing a thing. But you know, some people, I love the Lord, I love the Lord. And you just pinch them just the littlest bit with chapter and verse. And the next thing you know, they're all up on you and yelling at you and screaming at you and hateful. Where'd that love of God go? And they're calling your names. Where'd that love of God go? Let me tell you something. The love of God is genuine. The love of God is real. The love of God will change you for the good. It will get the garbage out of your life. Get the works of the flesh out of your life. You'll become dead to that. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you something. People who love God, you're not going to find them in the club. You're not going to find them in there dancing and twisting and gyrating, and, and uh, whether young or old. You're not going to find them at the gambling halls. You're not going to find them on the street corner trying to hustle something. Not people that love God. People that love God, you know, you love, you love God more than you love yourself. It means that you're going to repent. It means that you're going to put all of your interests under God's presence. And you're going to say, I will stop this. I will turn away from the power of Satan. And I will turn to the power of God. That's how the Apostle Paul became the Apostle Paul. He loved his letters of authority. He loved being a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He loved all his pedigree that he had. But when that day came and the love of God appeared to him in a light brighter than the noonday sun, he said, who are you, Lord? And he didn't hear what he thought thought he was going to hear, he heard, I am Jesus, and you're fighting me in the way that you're living, in the things that you're doing, you're coming against me, you're persecuting me, when you persecute my children, you persecute me, hey, God loves his children, he stands up for his children, yes he does, he's going to see whether or not you're going to stand the test, and old Saul said, uh, who became Paul, he said, and uh, what will you have me to do? Now, that's where you want to get. Find out who he is and find out what he wants you to do. Get in the book and let him begin to give you the chapter and the verse. Let him begin to feed you with the finest of the wheat and the honey from the rock and the corn, the manna. Let him give to you chapter and verse, subject matter, and, uh, so that you can begin to know him and love him. You, can fall, you, you know, they said to him one day, they said, um, Master, where dwellest thou? And... Uh, when he got done showing them where he dwelled, they didn't want nothing to do with it. You know? They were looking for a big mansion. They were looking for a 32-room 
45 bathrooms. You know, they were looking for the big green lawn. They were looking for the badminton and the swimming pool. They were looking for the, the Bentleys and the Roses, you know, and all of that. And when Jesus said, I have nowhere to lay my head, well, <clears throat> I think I'm a little busy today, Lord. I'm going to have to head down here. I think there's a ball game right about now, and I really need to get there. Well, you know, if you want to find a lot of people, you just go to the ball game. You'll find them. You'll find them. And then, <clears throat> of course, on Sunday, then they're going to be in church, maybe. Oh, yeah. So what did he say? You can't love two. You can't hold to two. It's not, you're going to find yourself being pulled apart. And the less you give yourself to Jesus and give him your love, then the less you're going to be with him. And the more you're going to be pulled, and there is a pull to be with the other things. The things that the prince and the power of the air, Satan, has got his whole dominion going on down here and got every kind of invention and every kind of pleasure and for a season and that, that pleasure of, of sin for a season. And you've got to ask yourself, do I want the pleasure of sin for a season or do I want what David said, pleasures forevermore? I think I'm going to choose. I know by the grace of God I'm going to choose those pleasures forevermore. I'm not going to be uh, short term here. I'm not going to just, I'm not going to live for this life, okay? I'm not going to live for all that I can heap unto myself. And when a, when a man's life does not consist of the abundance of the things which he possesses, not going to live for all of the tinker little things down here and all of the shiny little things and, and, and that, that the enemy constantly makes look so alluring and just like a fish getting, getting attracted to allure and he gets hooked. Uh, by that and right on the hook and caught and whoop, that's the end of him. Oh, friend, he winds up in somebody's frying pan for dinner. Oh, no, come on now. You don't want to wind up in the fire. You don't want to wind up uh, being the enemy's lunch. You want to tell yourself that I'm going to live for God and I'm going to turn all of my love towards God. I'm going to rake and scrape every last bit of emotional love in my mind and I'm going to present it to the Lord. Isn't that what the woman did when she came to Jesus and she brought the alabaster box? A box that you could not, it was a box. It wasn't a thing with a, with a cap on it that you could screw off or pop off. It wasn't something that you could uh, close back up. This, friend, was unconditional. This was, you got to give it all. This was break the box and the ointment came out. The most precious thing that she possessed, she brought it to Jesus. You better bring what's most precious in your life and bring it to Jesus and let him decide whether or not we're going to keep that or we're going to discard that. Is that going to be something good and usable or is that going to be a bone that we can't use? Come on now. You've got to quit playing patty cake here and you've got to tell, I love you, Lord, with all of my heart, all of my mind, every thought. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in my sight. Amen. Say, well, you know the way you're preaching, you give me a lot to live up to. Well, that's what we're striving for. Strive to enter in, for straight is the gate, narrow. And few there be that go in there at. A few from each generation, though, Revelation said it was a number no man could number. You got to, you got to get in this race. And this isn't a little sprint. This isn't 40 or 50 yards. Oh, no. This isn't going to be over in 4.5 seconds. Oh, no, friend. This is a long-distance race. you got to get in this for the long haul. You're not in it for the short term. You're in it for the long term. You're not in this for a little buzz and a little kick and a little short-term feeling. You're in this for eternity here. World without end. I'm not going to love the Lord with just a little second or two here or for a week or a month or a year. No, sir, my friend. Lord God, I'm so out to you entirely. I'm giving you all of it here. I'm breaking open myself. I'm breaking open and letting all the emotion come out. I want everybody to see where I'm investing myself. All of my love is invested in you, Jesus. I love you. I don't want to give my love to another. I want to give it to you. Best investment you'll ever make. Pays the best dividends absolutely out of this world. And that's what you're going to want to do. You're going to want to go out of this world. And everybody said, praise the Lord. So just remember, you can't, you can't serve two masters. You want, as Jesus made it clear, one is your master in heaven. And you want to be able to say that and state that with, with a, a positiveness, that, that this is it. There's, I'm, I'm going to clamp down on things. I'm going to turn away from things that are out to distract me and out to steal my love. 
you know, somebody's always saying, what's wrong with this and what's wrong with that? Well, sometimes that's the first wrong question is when you start asking what's wrong with, that pretty much means, uh-oh, maybe you've already got yourself involved with something and you're trying to justify it and rationalize it and just because you can't see what's wrong with it. That's like you having a spot somewhere and you don't see nothing right. I live with that thing all my life. It don't mean nothing to me. And then one day something happens and the doctor says, oh, well, that's a melanoma and that's about to kill you. You, you didn't see anything wrong with that, but the doctor did. The doctor saw something wrong with it. The doctor had a test done on it, and it confirmed what he saw. Oh, I'm telling you something right now. You better get in this church, and you better listen, and you better apply yourself, because just because you don't see it, just because you don't see the evil of it, or what's wrong with it, does not mean that it's benign. does not mean that it's not harmful to you. You better know good and well some things are malignant. And what did the Bible say? It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. They creep in there friend and first news you know one grape's gone another grape's gone another grape's gone and pretty soon there's no more grapes oh no you got to tell yourself "Uh uh-uh I'm not letting these little things creep into my life or better yet creep back into my life because I've kind of settled down on my leaves you've got to keep a firm fixed uh vigilant uh what's the word I want vigilant you want to be vigilant. You want to be sober. You want to realize that there's an enemy of my soul and he wants to steal my love. He wants me to get cold around here. And I want to be on fire for God. I want to be as strong for him when I get the Holy Ghost. And down the road, I want to be just as strong for him. Amen. Amen. Luke's account, Luke chapter 11. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Luke chapter 11, and I'm going to read to you verse 42. 11 and 42. He said, but woe unto you, Pharisees, religious people. He said, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs. Now, he's going to tell you in a minute that that was the right thing to do. Okay? But notice how he puts it. He says, in doing these things, he said, and pass over judgment and the love of God. You pass right over that one, like an airplane. Whoop, went over your head, 30,000 feet above you. You missed that one. He said, these ought you to have done. Oh, you ought to have done your tithing. He's saying, you ought to have done that. He said, but you shouldn't have overlooked this. He said, these things ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. Okay? This isn't 50%. This is you giving all, loving God with all of your heart. That you're not letting a little dark cavern in there somewhere go uncleaned and untouched and unnoticed and try to hide it somewhere on God. You're not going to hide nothing on God. And whatever's said on the rooftop, it's, I mean, said in, in secret is going to be proclaimed on the rooftop. There's going to be an exposure. It is going to come out. And you better tell yourself that God's looking right at your heart. He knows everything about you. And He has your best interests at heart. He wants the very best for you. He's not trying to keep something good from you. He will withhold no good thing from them that walk uprightly before Him. And everybody said Amen. Luke 16 and verse 13 reads like this. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. If we're going to serve God and we're going to do it with all our heart, then you know what? Then you're going to despise this world, because that's what he said. You're going, to, you're going to hold to one. Now, if you hold into God and you love God, then he's saying then the other one you're going to despise. So that means you're, you're absolutely going to, your face is going to scrunch up. You're just not going to want to have anything to do with that. That's, that's repulsive to you. Sin, as the writer said in Romans, becomes exceedingly sinful. That you get so into the love of God and the power of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God, and the lifestyle of living for the Lord, that sin becomes exceedingly sinful. 
It's not something that is, is a light thing. It's not something you want to even brush shoulders with. It's something that you want to be keep a distance from. You don't want to be a part of that. You don't want to go where they go. As a matter of fact, you want to, you, you're the type that's going to have so much love of God in you and love God so much that you're going to say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know, we often misquote that and say unto, but it says into. I don't want to just get to it. I want to get into it. I want to be in the church. I want to be in the body of Christ. I don't want to stick my toe in there and just dab a little water here or somewhere, you know. I want to be in the body of Christ. One man had said he joined hard to the church. I want to be in this with everything i got. It's not going to be something that it's just a little come see, come saw once in a while, a little side thing. This has got to be, this is your main dish. This is what it's all about. This is what I look forward to. This is what I live for. This is what gets my heart going and my heart rate pumping. My hands are in the air. I'm worshiping Him. This is what causes me to dance in the Spirit. Helps me to leap for joy and rejoice. Gets me excited. The love of God. Amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. I'm turning to John's account. The gospel according to John. John chapter 5. And I'll read to you verse 42. Jesus said, But I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. Now imagine Jesus telling a group of people that. He, they, were, they were saying all kinds of nasty, mean, accusatory things. They were slandering him. They were disrespectful. They had showed no fear of God whatsoever. They were showing no faith whatsoever. And Jesus said, I know you. In other words, I know that spirit. And he said, you have not the love of God in you. It's, it's a, a very sad thing for somebody to act towards you a certain way and that you that you act, act, actually realize that this person is, is acting in a way that is so contrary to everything that is taught by the Word of God, everything that is good and pure and clean and righteous, and that you see somebody trying to claim God, and they're acting so opposite to what the Bible teaches. And Jesus put his finger on and he said, I know you, I know that spirit, and he said, I know that you have not the love of God in you. Lots of people are going to say they have the love of God. Lots of people are going to say they have Jesus while they're puffing a cigarette or shooting something in their vein or snorting something up their nostril. Lots of people while they're uh, drinking to where they're inebriated and they, they have no senses working right at all. Lots of people are going to be thieves and liars and they're going to claim Jesus, okay? But Jesus looked at them and he said, hey, he said, I know about you. And he said, and I know that you don't have the love of God in you. We want to not be mistaken here. We want it to be, what did it say? Jesus Christ so evidently crucified before you, meaning so obviously. I want it to be obvious that I've got the love of God and that I love God. I want that to be bursting out of me. I want, I don't want to take this great life and shove it under a bushel basket and shove that under the bed. Oh no, I want it up and out. I want everybody to see that I'm not hiding here. I love God and I want you to know I love God. Even if I'm in the midst of everybody else that doesn't love God and doesn't believe in Him. When it's unpopular. When I'm not in for a popularity contest here. I'm in to love God. Amen. Amen. Well, John 8, John chapter 8, verse 42 also. And listen to what He said. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, now this is these folks, they're trying to claim the Spirit, they're trying to claim that the Almighty God is theirs, and the prophets are theirs. And Jesus said, yeah? He said, well, if God were your father, he said, you would love me. Pretty, pretty plain test right there. And he said, uh, he said, you would love me. He said, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. That flesh that they were looking at, that one that was referred to and called the only begotten Son of God. God didn't go around speaking the word over a whole bunch of people. He spoke the word over one willing vessel by the name of Mary, and she brought forth the flesh, the man Christ Jesus. She, by the due course of nature, because God, what was in her was of God. It was of his 
Holy Spirit. Just as He spoke the sun, the moon, the stars into existence, so He spoke, and that child was conceived, and after the due course of nature, she brought forth that child, and He absolutely then had proceeded from the Spirit, and that's why your Bible said that God was manifest in the flesh. That's why Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And everybody said, Amen. And he said, if you can't believe that, then you might want to start believing it for the very work's sake. For no man did the things that he did, and they, some of them acknowledged that and came unto him and said, man, what is going on here? You're not just one of the old prophets risen up. You're not just another one come along. Oh, there's something very different here. And Jesus was trying to tell him, yes, there's something very different. I am absolutely the Christ the Son of the living God, my flesh that you're looking at is a sacrifice. And because I love you, I'm going to give this flesh on the cross for you. But the third day, I'm going to raise it back up and glorify it. Amen. You know, some people, you can get so, uh, you know, some people can completely mischaracterize the love of God. And they can say, they, they, they won't call a spade a spade and a wheelbarrow a wheelbarrow. Even if you hold it right in front of them, they won't do it. And uh, one man was asked, do you believe in receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, and being baptized in Jesus' name? Do you believe that? And the man tried every which way to avoid the question, to evade the question. He tried to go left and he tried to go right. And he just didn't want to answer the question. Something wrong when you start denying His Word. When you won't stand on the rock, you know, that's higher than you are. That you won't acknowledge. Peter had that problem before he got the Holy Ghost. In other words, before he got born again. And, and, and a woman spoke up and said, Oh, your speech betrays you. You're one of them because they had Jesus in the judgment hall. And they were judging him and beating him and mocking him. And, and, and this woman was among the crowd as they were by the fire warming themselves because it was cold. And, and they said, um, You're one of them. And Peter said, No, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not one of them. You know, when all your friends get around, so-called friends, they get around you, you know, and they're talking their stuff and doing their thing, and, and you begin to feel the heat, all right, you begin to feel the pressure, and they want to know what you believe and where you go, and are you this, and are you that, and then you're going you're gonna to cop out, you're going to wimp out, you're going you're gonna to say, well, you know, I, well, you know, uh, kind of, yeah. you know, oh, no, 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 no. And you know the third time that Peter said he wasn't, that's when that rooster let, let it rip. And that's when he looked up and he saw the Lord looking at him. And he knew that look. And he went out and wept bitterly, the book said. But oh, friend, when the day came, and Jesus had risen his crucifixions over. Jesus said it's finished. He is now buried in the sepulcher. And now third day he has risen again from the dead. And he has begun to show himself to his disciples. And the Bible said in one place this was the third time that he showed himself alive to them. And the scripture teaches that when the women who had first come to the sepulcher and the angel sent them and said, Go tell my disciples and Peter. You don't think God loves you? You don't think that God's got you at heart? You don't think that He knows when you've blubbed it up and messed it up and tripped up and yet He's looking right at you and He's looking to see if you have your love intact. Do you love me? And that's what Jesus said here to the man that became the Apostle Peter. He said, Simon, son of Barjonas, lovest thou me? Yeah, 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 I love you. I have a feeling Peter didn't say that quite convincingly. Quite convincingly. And the Lord said, Feed my lambs. And then after a moment there, he said, Simon, son of Barjonas. He said, Lovest thou me? He said, A little bit more this time. He said, Yes, I, I love you. And he said, Feed my sheep. And then the third time, boy, the third time it came around. You know, we need to be a little concerned when our question, our love gets questioned, whether it's by somebody or by God. That our love of Jesus Christ gets questioned. Well, my wife, you know, my wife, she don't agree with this. Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Yeah. You know, Peter had a mother-in-law. 
Hey, Dad. He, he had a mother-in-law. Yeah, Lord. Now, I don't know if she'd been running her mouth or what, but she got sick. And the Lord stepped in and just touched her and rebuked that fever. And she was made whole. She got up, decided, I, I'm, I, you know, it's like a woman that told me one time, she said, she got so cranky and so aggravated and she started just being upset about everything. You know, that's flesh right there. That's when you know you're in the flesh, when every little thing bothers you, okay? And, and nothing's good, nothing's right, and you just complain, 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 complain. Now, nobody around here does that, I know. So I'm just telling you the story, uh, a true account. And this woman told it on herself. And she said, so, she said, I got sick. She said, I got sick. She said, I, was, I had the, whatever, the flu or whatever you want to call it. She said, I had it for a week. She said, and when I got healed, she said, I got up out of that bed. She said, I was never so glad to see a pile of laundry in my life. She said, I was so happy to do it. I skipped to doing the laundry that day. I was just so happy to get to do the laundry. Well, I just left the hospital uh, Friday up in St. Petersburg. And uh, the mother has cancer. And uh, the, the children were born premature. They had to take them. They were only a pound and a half. Hold them in the palm of your hand, literally. And uh, so the mother was, has been having chemotherapy. And because of that, all of her hair is gone. And, uh, but she was in such a good spirit, such a good mood, so happy. And she said, you know, she said, um, I've got to witness to more people and talk about God more since I've been in this hospital. And the baby's been in the hospital. She's been between two hospitals. Because one hospital down a little bit south, that's where they do the chemo. And then the other one is where the baby's at up north. So she's been having to ride the road up and down on her sick. And, and she said, I've been getting a witness to more people and share the power of God and the truth of God with more people. And she said they put a woman, a young girl, because this girl's young herself. She's probably in her early 30s. And she said they put a young lady uh, in with me in a group or something, and they were talking, and the girl was, was all upset. I mean, she'd been there for two days in the hospital, and she was just complaining. She said, I've been here so long. I've been here for two whole days. I can't wait to get out of here. I don't understand why I've got to stay here. And she looked at her, and she said, how long have you been here? And she said, a month. And the girl went, the girl went back to, um, to uh, her little room, and the nurse came in, and for the first time, she had a big old smile on her face. Hi, nurse so-and-so. And the nurse looked at her and said, okay, what's happened to you? And what would you do with the one that was in here before, the one with the frown? And she said, you know what? She said, I, I met somebody today. And she said, um, I'm never going to complain again. She said, I thought I had it rough. I've been here two days. She said, she'd been here 30 days. She said, so I'm, I'm going to be happy from now on. You know, sometimes, sometimes you might just need to have a little basis of comparison given to you. You might think it's oh so bad until you see somebody that's got it worse. You might realize that there's cases that are far worse than your case. Complaints that are far more legitimate than your little whiny complaint is. And so here is Peter now. And Peter has absolutely been asked twice if he loved the Lord. His love is apparently is being called into question here. Jesus is looking him in the eyeballs post-resurrection and glorified man. And he's absolutely, what did John the Revelator say? Eyes a flame of fire and a voice like a trumpet of many waters and feet like he's coming out of a furnace of brass. And Peter, Peter's looking at him now feeling the effect of this. Second time, lovest thou me? Uh-huh, yeah, I do. And he said, well, then feed my sheep. You've got a job to do. You've got a responsibility to do. I'm not wanting you to shirk your responsibility. I'm not wanting you to be busy going about everything else and neglecting what I'm calling you to. Simon, son of Barjona, he said, love us, tell me the third time. This time Peter is grieved. Peter is upset. Peter is absolutely out of sorts. And because Jesus asked him a third time, he must think I don't love him. Why does he think that? What am I doing that makes him think to call my love in question? And that's what we have to ask ourselves. And that's when Jesus said, again, the third time, because Peter said, you know all things. You know that I love you. You know the heart. And he said, feed my sheep. And then he went on to tell him. When you were young, you went where you wanted to go. And you did what you wanted to do. But things have changed now. Now that you've given and confirmed that you love me, you're not just saying some words, you know, but that you have confirmed 
you have told me completely here and, and committed yourself that you love me. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You can't claim to love him legitimately when you deny his word. People who say they love Jesus Christ and refuse to be baptized in his name, there's a big contradiction there. And Jesus is saying, oh, you love me, huh? But you don't want my name. You love me, huh? But you don't want to be washed in my blood. There's got to be a little questioning of somebody, the genuineness of somebody's love. Uh, What did Jesus say? They draw nigh to me with their lips. But their heart is on vacation somewhere. Their heart's far from me. Far from me. Oh, friend, come on now. You've got to be honest. You've got to realize. And, and Peter being told now, when you were young, you did certain things. In your youthfulness, you got away with certain things. He said, but not going to be that way anymore. There's going to be a change now. And you're going to find out, as a matter of fact, that you're going to glorify me by dying in a certain manner, in a certain way at the end of your life. So we've got a job to do here right now. And, and if you love me, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to do my job. I want you, you know, there are sheep, the Bible talked about, that are scattered all out there on the mountaintops. There are people everywhere. People that are just waiting for somebody to bring Acts 2.38 to them. Somebody to tell them the truth. Somebody to share with them the message of what they need to do. I had two people in my office, uh, I think it was Thursday, and uh, insurance people, and and the one guy was a Catholic, he said, and the other one was Jewish, she said. And uh, I had me a really nice Bible study for about an hour. And they listened to what I had to say. And the guy said to me, he said, well, he said, now, let me get this straight, he says. He says, uh, now, Pastor Phil, he said, um, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And he said, and I was baptized. He said, so I'm going to heaven, right? And I said, not quite right. I said, but you know what? I said, some of what you're saying is not bad. I said, you're kind of heading in the right direction. I said, now, let me go with you again. I said, you, according to the Bible, if you say you're believing on Jesus, you're saying it, then it comes to you repenting. You bring forth fruit, works of repentance. You show that you're repenting by cutting wrong things off out of your life. You stop doing those things and you begin to learn to do well. That's what your Bible said. Learn to do well. And, uh, and not to become weary in doing it well when you do learn it. And then I said, then you're to be baptized. Not in titles, but in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's for the forgiveness of all of your sins. And then you are to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I said, you kind of skip over that. I said, you don't want to skip over that. I said, you want to know that's why Jesus died on the cross for you, that he might purchase that gift of God for you, that you might have the gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of eternal life. He wants, He died on the cross to make that possible for you. So you don't want to skip over that. It's a death, repentance. It's a burial. You're buried with him in water baptism in his name. And it's a resurrection. The power of the resurrection, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Death, burial, resurrection. That is the gospel. That is the good news. There is no other gospel, the book said. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Everybody said, hallelujah. I need to quit. It's late. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. You know what I mean. That's what Paul said. All right, everybody, I'll explain that to you another time. I don't have time to explain that to you. But uh, let me just say to you that Jesus said here in 15 and 10 of John's account, He said, If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in me, or in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in me, in my love. Oh, you see, this is something you dwell in. This is something you live in. What did it say? Um, that God, being the eternal Creator, in Him we live and move and have our being. He said, if you live in me, if you abide in me. He gave the example of the, of the, the vine and how that if you stay connected to it, that you're going to bring forth fruit unto eternal life. So we've got to, we've got to be in the Lord here. We've got to be in the Spirit here. You can't uh, you know, just live any old way and float around any old way you want to. You've got to realize, if you keep my commandments... You shall abide in me. First order of business. You've got to keep what he's saying. You've got to do. Blessed are they that 
do His commandments. Not enough for the commandment to say what it says. You must observe it. Now you know you observe all them days off they give you from your job. No matter what day. Oh, it's National Marshmallow Day. Oh, I got the day off. Who cares? There is a National Marshmallow Day. You believe that? It's the truth. My wife took them all out here and they roasted marshmallows. I think they did some of those s'mores, you know. Friend, let me tell you, if, if, if you're a teacher and you can find a reason to have a day off, you observe that day. Abraham Lincoln Day. Don't know who he is, but boy, am I glad he gave me the day off. Thank you, thank you. Martin Luther King, great man. Boy, he gave us a day off. Woo! Am I happy. Hallelujah. George Washington. Oh, yeah. Come on now. You start pouring them on. Don't believe in the fat guy in the red suit, but I'm happy to have Christmas off. Oh, yes. Wonderful thing. Amen. Actually, we observe it because Jesus. That's why we observe it. Same thing we do with Easter. We do that because of Jesus. And everybody said hallelujah. He said, if you keep my commandments, if you're observing them, to do them, he said, ye shall abide in my love. I've got to be in the love of God. I've got to be loving Him, and I've got to be in His love. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. He said, even as I have kept my Father's commandments. Don't let that confuse you. He's talk, flesh is talking about the Spirit. And the Spirit dwelled in that flesh to the fullness. And that flesh was a living example to every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of the earth at that time. Showing them that God came and dwelt among men and walked among them and condemned sin in the flesh. That through His power, through His Spirit, it could be conquered. We can live the life. You can overcome the flesh and the devil that drives and uses the flesh. You can do this if you'll abide in Him, if you'll keep His commandments, if He'll look at you and not have to ask you three times if you love Him, that you get it the first time around. Yes! I let everything in me show you that I love you. I can say no to the devil, no to family, no to friends, no to sin, no to the wrong environment. I can say no to that. And I can say yes to Jesus. Come on, let's lift our hearts with our hands. Ain't nobody taking me where I don't want to go. Unless it's in the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come on. What can we offer to our God, the mighty Jehovah, the awesome?